1: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Bolaños in San Francisco. Governor Newsom has declared a state of emergency for California as a heat wave takes hold of the state. And officials warn there could be rolling blackouts if power demand starts to outpace supplies.
0: Rotating outages are, are a possibility but not an inevitability.
1: That's Elliot Mainzer, president of the state's power grid operator, who says we need to reduce electricity use throughout the holiday weekend, especially during late afternoon and early evening.
0: And a potentially strong influencing variable will be the response that we get Uh, from consumers and business to take the steps that we've detailed uh, under the flex alert request. So those actions between 4 to 9 p.m., that specific reduction in electricity consumption, if everybody does their part and pitches in and just moves their electricity consumption out of those periods, that can be a significant difference maker.
1: Excessive heat warnings have been issued in all of Southern California up into the Central Valley, and the high temps are expected to spread into Northern California and into next week. The emergency declaration allows Newsom to temporarily increase energy production and relax rules aimed at curbing air pollution. In a news conference yesterday, Newsom was clear. Climate change is to blame.
2: For years and years and years, and I would put this in global terms, we, all of us, have been trying to outrun Mother Nature. But it's pretty clear uh, that Mother Nature uh, has outrun us. The reality is we're living in an era of extremes, extreme heat, extreme drought, and with the flooding that we're experiencing around the globe, just ask folks in Missouri and Kentucky or in Pakistan, uh, the extreme floods as a consequence uh, of Mother Nature's fury.
1: Cooling centers are being opened across the state and officials are encouraging people to seek comfort at public libraries and stores, even if just for a few hours to prevent overheating. The route fire near Castaic in Los Angeles County shut down the Five Freeway and prompted evacuations, burning more than 4,600 acres. Firefighters have also suffered heat-related injuries because of the blaze. In other news, water, power, and land are all in short supply in California, but a new test project in the Central Valley town of Ceres may provide at least a partial solution to all of these shortages. The California Report's Amanda Stupai has more.
0: Solar canals are simple, in theory. Build canopies over miles of aqueducts and place solar panels on top of those canopies. The shade from the canopies limits water evaporation, and the solar panels produce renewable energy. Oh, and building on top of existing infrastructure saves money on land. Research out of UC Merced found that canopies lower evaporation in aqueducts by as much as 82%. That would add up to be about 63 billion gallons of water if all of California's irrigation system was covered. Josh Weimer is with the Turlock Irrigation District. He says the pilot will involve building at two locations, one with a canal that's over 110 feet
3: wide. And that's something that the state of California is very interested in, and it's the reason that they are providing the funding for this project, because their aqueduct system uh, is very wide. It's a very large system, and so they're very curious to see, does this make sense? Is this something that they're able to do?
0: If the test replicates UC Merced's results, solar canals may be popping up all over. Weimer says he's already fielding calls
3: about the project. We've had multiple inquiries from across the state, uh, the country, and, and honestly the world, had a conversation this morning with people in Romania about this.
0: Researchers hope they'll be able to share results by 2024. For The California Report, I'm Amanda Stupai. 22,000 Kaiser nurses
1: are protesting today, calling for improved safety conditions and increased staffing. They join Kaiser mental health care workers who are nearing their third week on strike. KQED health correspondent Leslie McClurg has more. This morning, nurses are protesting outside 22 Kaiser facilities in Northern California and Los Angeles.
3: Catherine Kennedy is a staff nurse in Roseville. We don't have enough resources in order to care for our patients. She has worked for Kaiser for nearly 41 years. She says staffing shortages have plagued her facility for decades, but the pandemic has made them much worse. There was no time to even stop, debrief, take a breath. Kaiser says they are trying to hire, but face nursing shortages across the country. The collective bargaining agreement between Kaiser and Northern California nurses expires at midnight tonight. For the California Report, I'm Leslie McClurg.
1: More than a week after Governor Newsom vetoed a bill that would provide safe consumption sites for people who use drugs, advocates remain defiant. As we hear from KQED reporter Holly McDeed, they used Overdose Awareness Day yesterday to reaffirm their commitment to continue the fight.
3: Alea Del Piniel is the founder of West Oakland Punks with Lunch, one of the state's largest distributors of naloxone, the overdose reversal medication. On the personal level, she's honoring people who've died, but professionally, she's angry. Over 10,000 people died from drug overdoses from October 2020 to September 2021 in California. Newsom vetoed a bill that would have allowed for safe consumption site pilots in San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Oakland. Realistically, it feels like people don't care or like our government doesn't care about people who use drugs. Then in this year's budget, the legislature did not continue funding for a program that supported work by harm reduction groups in dozens of counties. That funding had helped punks with lunch hire staff for the first time. They plan to continue reversing overdoses with or without the government's help. Some of the most remarkable people that we meet are like people who use drugs. People are deserving of that love, of that medical attention, of not dying.
0: It's it's such a—it's so
3: disappointing. In a statement, a spokesperson for the governor's office said the budget does include support for medication to treat addiction and syringe exchange programs. For The California Report, I'm Holly J. McDeed.
1: The state legislature approved dozens of bills this week. And if history is any guide, some of those laws will have unintended consequences. That's the story of a law passed in 2020, which was meant to keep foreclosed homes out of the hands of corporate investors and increase the chance they would be used for affordable housing. But it didn't turn out that way. A KQED investigation found nonprofits were using a loophole in the law to flip homes for profit. Housing reporter Erin Baldessari joins me to talk about what she found. Hi, Erin. Hey, how's it going? Good. Tell me, what was the goal of the original bill? Yeah, so the original bill really
2: came out of Moms for Housing. This was a protest that happened in late 2019. A group of homeless mothers occupied a vacant house in West Oakland. And really, the idea was to protest real estate speculation. The home they occupied had been bought by Wedgwood. This is um, one of California's largest house flippers. And Berkeley State Senator Nancy Skinner introduced the bill, you know, specifically to make it easier for tenants of foreclosed properties and nonprofits to buy those homes at a foreclosure auction. The law, called SB 1079, it gives these groups an exclusive 45-day window to match the winning auction bid. Right. But there was a loophole. What was it and what did you see happening? The bill didn't specifically require the homes to be used as affordable housing, even though that was clearly Skinner's intention. So instead, what we found was that two California-based house-flipping corporations basically created their own nonprofits last year to purchase homes under SB 1079. They purchased at least 124 homes between them, and they basically flipped them. I asked Senator Skinner what she thought about how the bill was being used, and she said it clearly wasn't the idea that she had in mind.
0: You know, we do a bill with the best intention, but we can't always see exactly how it's going to be put into practice.
2: We did see a legitimate Virginia-based nonprofit called Southside Community Development and Housing Corporation use SB 1079. They purchased at least 74 homes in California under this law. Again, even though this was a legitimate nonprofit, I couldn't find any evidence that the
1: homes were actually being used as affordable housing. You focused a lot on Southside in your story. What was their reasoning, and why would a group in Virginia want to buy homes in
2: California? Southside grew out of a church in a historically Black neighborhood in Richmond that had been disinvested in for decades. In 2015, the federal government created a new program for nonprofits to buy foreclosed homes from HUD. The idea was that nonprofits would sell them to homeowners instead of what was happening previously, which was, you know, a lot of private investors renting them out. And so Southside began doing it. They partnered with private investors to buy foreclosed homes in 33 states, including in California. So what did that look like in California?
1: And did this benefit
2: residents here? Well, you know, it sort of depends on who you ask. Um, some of Southside's homes were bought by traditional house slippers and resold. Homeowners I spoke to say that homes at Southside sold them for, you know, market prices. Is, is that better than investors buying the homes and renting them out? Maybe. So now
1: that the legislator has passed a new bill that aims to close that loophole, how is that supposed to work?
2: Yeah, AB 1837 by Assemblymember Mia Bonta, it requires the homes to be used as affordable housing for low-income residents, either to buy or rent for at least 30 years. Several investors I spoke to said it would help stop the misuse of SB 1079, but it may also mean that things just kind of go back to the way they were before. So most nonprofits don't really have the kind of money that Southside had. The state did approve $500 million last year to help nonprofits with these types of purchases. We'll see what happens.
1: Thank you, Erin, for sharing that reporting with us. Thank you. You can read more of Aaron's story at kqed.org. And that's the California Report for Thursday, September 1st. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.
0: Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation. Committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Paint care now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at schmidtocean.org.